This episode of Ain't That Swell is brought to you by the Usher Cup World Club Challenge on this weekend at Snapper Rocks. 21 Australian clubs versus 10 international clubs. We're talking from Japan, New Zealand, Indonesia, the US of A, and many more. It is a sick comp, the only international club comp in the world, and it's on this weekend. Just go to uh, ushercup.com and check out all the action. Toad is direct from the Usher Cup President's Dinner. Uh, it's kind of like the opening ceremony for the whole event where all the teams are welcomed and myself and Smivy do a couple of Q&As and a big shout out to Theo Varantakis for uh, running this thing with his good mate, Rabbit Bartholomew and the Usher Group. An epic idea, $100,000 in prize money up for the clubs and $100,000 being donated to local charities around the Gold Coast as well. It is a filth initiative. Get your head around it. Ushercup.com. Watch it live all weekend. Hey, uh, well, first of all, I'd like to say, and I ASP going to find me, because I want to be a part of this fucking dumb wannabe tennis tour. You know, I think they got their, his testicles so far off their mouths that this is bullshit, you know? I'm not thinking about that right now. I'm just thinking about having won the world title and, and hopefully trying to win another one someday. You just drop in and just smack the pull back, drop down, say, bah! Well, I'll tell you, Stu, I did battle some humongous waves. Oh, that's the paper thing? Oh, surf looks good, Alvin. Not bad. Ain't that swell with Jed and Vaughn. Oh, those guys are back. <laughs> Get a haircut. Yes, autocrats, dictators, despots and desperados. Welcome to the Usher Cup presidential dinner. I'm your host, the two-time Gold Cone Peace Award winner, Scum Valley's finest himself, the punch drunk pikey, the sultan of psilocybin, the maestro of micro dosing. Smivy. It's Smivy, everyone. Round of applause. <laughs> nice one. And I'm joined here, as always, by my loyal co host and friend, former editor of Trucks Magazine, Waves Magazine, and Surfing World Magazine, Vaughn Rinsed Corn. A deadly. Hey, Give it you, up Smithy. for Vaughn Corn. Thanks, folks. Good to be back, isn't it, Smith? Ah, fucking oath. It's always good to be back, mate, on the points here for the Usher Cup. It is. Uh a wonderful thing to be back at the Asia Cup. Theo, Bugs, uh, they've done it again, mate. The only world club challenge in the world. And, uh, mate, it's a wonderful thing because, you know, in Australia, we're so privileged to have been part of this club culture. For Some clubs are over 60 years old in this country. And uh, it's a wonderful thing that we get to share now with uh, all these other teams that have come out from, you know, Asia, Japan... Uh, North America, South America, I think we've got Hawaiian Islands here, Indonesia, Europe. So uh, it's a wonderful thing to be able to share those epic things that you get from club culture, you know, mentorship, guidance, uh, the brotherhood, the sisterhood, all this stuff, you know, worldwide advice, classic advice, mate. Oh, absolutely, Vaughan. I mean, although I do think that there is a place for an extra division in this event. This yeah. isn't something I've, I've brought up with Theo, but, you know, being a part of the, the Bondi Board Riders Club, obviously uh, the waves weren't so good, so we were schooled in the fine art of dick tricks and degeneracy, <laughs> and I just thought that maybe uh, the Usher Cup could benefit from adding a dick tricks and degeneracy what, division. What have you got what in mind? Yeah, go. You know, the, the helicopter, <laughs> the wristwatch, uh, the spit the winkle... Yeah. Uh, but obviously, this being 2024, uh, you know, the year of inclusivity, we have to include women in that. Yeah, uh, so and don't think I haven't thought of women and where they got? could fit into the dick tricks and degeneracy. Obviously, they don't have dicks, but maybe a bit of ping pong shot put. <laughs> funk, funk, <laughs> funk. Uh, maybe a, a, lady, a lady fluff off or something. <laughs> Can you imagine how good it would be, Vaughn, to be named Chief Queef of the Usher Cup 2024. It's the President's Dinner, mate. The Commander and Queef could be crowned tonight. Is that what it's for? That's what it's for. Are you kidding me? No, mate. Look, it's a it's a wonderful thing to have all these uh, great clubs here. Welcome, uh, and to find out a little bit more about it, we're going to call up, as Theo said, Theo, the Brains Trust, Jay Phillips from Snapper Rocks, the host club, and Wayne Rabbit Bartholomew, the 78 World Champ. Let's welcome them to the stage. Round of applause, folks. 
let's let's start with you, Bugs. Mate, um, you know, you always had the dream as a young man to, to surf professionally, to do it as a living. But did you ever see a future where club surfing was going to play a role in, uh, you know, the global surf story? Oh, well, I mean, look, you know, club surfing uh, has been uh, really an institution in Australia now for um, 60 years and 60 years and more. And I, you know, it actually... To me, actually, to, to me, actually, it began in California with Wind and Sea Surf Club down in San Diego. Yeah. And when they first came out here, and it, and it was like a, a movement that began in, you know, Merriweather and Snapper Rocks and Kira and um, Cronulla and sort of all these little beaches just started uh, going on little groups and, you know, clubs and forming clubs. And, of course, surfing had a different image back then. And it was more of a muck-up, you know. It was just all-time fun at the beach. And, um, and it just grew into something pretty special. But, you know, I'm, I'm super stoked what's happening. Um, club surfing really has become a global movement. It's amazing to see uh, what's happening in the United States. Um, club surfing has really caught fire over there. And, you know, I just want to acknowledge um, a good friend of mine that's here tonight who's come over, who uh, kind of runs the show in uh, the US. Darren Brillard, the man. Brillo. Welcome, mate. Super stoked to see you here. I mean, I'm just super stoked uh, to have all the international clubs coming. You know, when Theo and I first really uh, thought of this, we wanted to unite all the clubs. We started out as a very local event. Then we went, well, let's invite some other big clubs. And North Narrabeen and Torquay were the first two to accept our invitation. And, uh, you know, thanks so much, North Narrabeen and Torquay the first two interstate clubs, and we went, well, we might get something going here. And, um, and then, we, you know, Theo one day just blurted out to you guys, we're going to have a World Club Championship. <laughs> and um, it's not the World Club Championship, it's the World Club Challenge. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> and, uh, Hang on, mate. And those first international, you know, clubs that came last year really put us on the map. And, like, look what's happened this year. I mean, it's, it's just gone burko. You know, we're stoked. Jay, tell us, mate, uh, you know, you've been a part of the Snapper Rock Surf Club for a long time now. What, what is it about club culture and, and especially, you know, strong club culture that, that breeds champions and, and helps people really enjoy their surfing journey? Look, um, club surfing was um, a big thing, a part of my life. I didn't really know much about surfing um, competitions, unless you saw it in the paper or you read it out of the Tracks magazine or anything like that. And, and I just had um, a vision that, that I wanted to be a part of that after hearing um, Rabbit's World Championship that he won. And, and I just had some great surfers who, live, who I was living with at Fingal. I was more like just into that fun thing because, you know, living in Fingal was over the border and everyone gave respect. You get across the border, no one gives a fucking shit about you. They just drop in on you, burn you, whatever. And, um, but I wanted to be a part of that and I wanted to be a part of Snapper Rocks. And, and it was only just um, um, friends of mine, Shane Bevan and Dean Bevan, they were a part of my life growing up as a young kid. I just wanted to be a part of the Snapper Rocks Surfriders Club and I turned up and I think I joined when I was about probably 10. So I didn't really know much about it until you know, I was competing against Jason Buttonshaw and China uh, O'Connor and um, some great surfers in that time. I think and Jason Spence and a lot of the good surfers coming out of this town. And, and I think it was, there, was, there wasn't like, you know, under sixes and under nines and twelves. And it was just like you were str straight into the under fifteens. It was quite tough, you know. And then I think I, I think in my first year I dropped in. I've made a final in the first comp and. I dropped in a good friend of mine, Dean, and he just knew what I was all up. And he's looking at the judges, throwing his hands up. And I went, I didn't come back for that rest of the year because I thought I did something really bad. So I was like, oh, God, God damn. But um, I came back a couple more times and ended up fifth that year. And then after that, um, you know, it, just hard. it was hard. My dad wasn't really, wasn't really into the side of the surfing side of the things. And he dropped me at the beach and see you at the end of the day, kid. And um, the surfing culture was a big thing. And in Coolangatta and you know I was living in Fingal so I had to ride my bike down down to the south wall paddle across surf green out all day and my dad we at the surf club and screaming at me till he get in you know I was like oh, that was that was me and and then um, before you know it 
Rabbit was turning up with a contract with Billabong and I was like, Dad, Dad you looked at me and goes, fuck, is he that good? <laughs> but look, I took things for granted and but, um, surfing was a big thing of mine and, and I gave every 100% for Snapper Rocks and, and um, I'd be halfway around the world and I'd come back and surf my heat for the club and, and it was a big passion thing for me and, and um, free surfing was the good side of things but surfing for your club was another thing and um, I loved it and, uh, and now I'm standing today and as Lemon Year's president and we're going, to, going into our 60th year as Snap Rock Surf Riders Club. So yeah, it's an amazing legacy, mate. Congratulations. Sorry for talking for so long. But well, dribbling. You actually... 11-year president. 11, 11 years, can you believe yeah. it? More terms than Vladimir Putin, this guy. <laughs> Fucking hell. But you bring up Rules an interesting... of an iron fist and a bunch of brown paper bags full of finger heads. <laughs> Rabs, uh, Jay brings up a good point there. Two, two good points, actually. The first being, you know, when you're a Grom... Uh, in this country with, with the legacy of the club surfing scene, you know, a lot of the times you, the, your heroes are larger than life. Like, you don't get access to them and then you join a club and next thing you know, you, you're judging a heat with them or you're sharing space with them and you, and you see that pathway that they took to become a champion. Um, how important is that? And, I mean, the proof's in the pudding. We've seen, you know, with Merriweather, Narrabeen, Snapper, many other clubs, just the production line of, of champions that come out of them. Yeah. How was it for you when you were a Grom? I mean, were you a getting access to that? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I mean, this, uh, Coolangat has always been a surf town. You know, even, um, it started before, you know, Michael Peterson and Peter Tan and myself. There was a, a crew, an older crew in this town in the longboard era, and they were great surfers. Um, you know, Robbie and Wayne Dean and um, Graham Black and amazing Harry Hacker-Allen from Kira. We had so many great champions um, when I was a kid looking up to them. And, uh, and then, you know, I started the first um, surf academy on the Gold Coast way back in the day. And uh, it was back in the day where fathers went, are we going to give Rabbit $10 to throw little Johnny over the falls? <laughs> and they go, no, nah, we're not going to give him any money. <laughs> so the only kids that turned up to my surf school were Jay Phillips, Shane Bevan, Jason Buttonshaw, all the Groms around town. And I ended up, well, you know, like everything else I did, I was about 15 years before my time. <laughs> now surf schools are absolutely gold mines. Yeah. But so that really began, we went, well, let's make the Snapper Rocks Junior Development Program. And these guys were the first and, 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 and that really got it going. And North Narrabeen were doing the same thing. And, and the, the, you know, the those clubs that have been around for a long time, that junior development program became like a real mentorship, you know? And uh, those kids represented the club, would go away for the weekends. Um, it was always a lot of fun, you know? Club surfing's more about fun than competition, but we, we're very competitive in Australia. And uh, in club surfing, we like to uh, have our great rivalries. And now we get to extend that. I know that, um, you know, our, you know, Theo and I's attitude with this whole thing is uniting all the clubs in a, in a really uh, friendly atmosphere. It's more about the experience and there will be a competition and, and there will be winners and, and, you know, we want everyone to come here in a, in a great competitive spirit. But the, for us, the main thing is everyone comes and enjoys. I mean, you know, we're not surfing for ratings, points and rankings. We're just surfing for super fun and to you know, enjoy the Coolangatta surf town, come here and, and um, network and meet a lot of friends. And our kids get to meet all you, you guys. And you know, as we travel around the world, having those friendships in other countries is everything, you know? I mean, you can't afford hotels anymore. So, you know, we're coming over to stay at your place. <laughs> we're bringing the whole tribe. <laughs> Mate, it is a lot of fun, but... Um you know, as you just both uh, mentioned, you know, the club surfing, it brings out a, a competitiveness that you just don't tap into as an individual competitor. Only a few people can get there. Whereas club surfing, you're surfing for a team, you're surfing for a community. And so it lifts you. And I just want you guys to tell us, who are some of the best club men and women you've ever seen? Because uh, I can see one in the room yeah. over here with a shiny yeah. head and, 
It doesn't get much thicker. The hog. When, when Nathan Hedge surfs for his the club, mate. Give it up for the hog dog. Yeah. Yeah. Round of applause. Pacific yeah. pit master. I mean, mate, you will Aussie see. surfing spirit animal. He'll have a vein on the side of his head that is thicker than my leg, just pulsating with passion. Uh, well, you know what? Our, our guy is this guy right here. He's the most decorated surfer in the club. Grows a foot taller when he puts the, the club colours on, and that's what it's all about, eh, Hoggy? He grows a foot taller. <laughs> that's awesome, Bugs. That, Bugs, you saw some talent come through up here too uh, in the junior ranks. Mick Fanning, Steph Gilmore, Joel Parkinson, Dean Morrison. Obviously, uh, you played a big part in his life. You know, what was it like watching their rise and rise through the ranks here? Yeah, unreal, because... As I said, I grew up with Michael Peterson and Peter Townend and Wayne Dean, great surfers. And, uh, you know, we pushed each other a lot. And I saw that in the next generation, you know, with Jay and Shane Bevan and, and all those kids. And, and then along came Mick Fanning, Joel Parkinson, Dean Morrison. And it was, it was incredible watching them coming through, you know, into the, um, you know, our after-school squad training at Palm Beach Crumbin High School. I mean, we got the surf excellence program happening there just to get them to school. I mean, Dino, I'd go to work and Dino would be, he'd arrive 10 minutes after I started work and go, how did that happen? He said, you taught me well, Bugs. Parker tells a great story of going around, you know, the hill on the bus and uh, he'd have to go to school and he'd see Dingo just running around with his board just going, no! He's done it again. And the other thing I want to point out, I mean, you managed for... Coolangatta does have a really rich history. A lot of world champions have come from this town. And the other day I met a young guy, and, in, and uh, they're, they're over here now, the Space Coast crew, where are you? Yeah. And he said to me, well, our club, we happen to have 13 world champions, but 11 of them are for one guy. <laughs> yeah, so that's an incredible, <laughs> that's from that little town over there, 13 world champions. That sort of rivals Coolangatta, yeah. you know. That's a real battle. We've got to Round get that it. guy over here. Yeah. Well, I think after that ayahuasca trip, Kelly Slater can legitimately claim to exist in 13 different astral planes. So. Theo, mate, um, the Asia Cup, it's not just about getting crew together from all over the world. It's not just about, you know, having a great time, sharing the, the abundance here on the Goldie. It's also about giving back to the community yeah. Uh, it's a big part of why you got involved in the first place. Tell us a bit about the Usher group. Yeah, so what and happened was, like, we've had this um, uh, charity vehicle called Usher Love that's been around for 19 years, been supporting, like, you know, local, you know, footy clubs, you know, sporting clubs, um, community initiatives and the like, and we never had really had a big, you know, flagship event that where we could really bring everything of Usher together at, at one event and when Rabs and I were chatting about um, having this event for what we're going through at COVID, you know, we did it for the right intent. It was more about getting the clubs together, giving the kids something to, you know, have a goal towards rather than being pissed out in the street. And, you know, netball clubs, there was no club rounds for anything. So Rabs was like, let's have a teams event, just get all the clubs together. At least the kids are doing something. They've got something to um, go towards and then for us at Usher it was such a huge success it was like we can really you know utilize this more and then integrate all the other uh, great um, you know charity initiatives and whatnot that Usher does all into one event and you know now we've got 10 amazing charities that make such a positive impact to our community you know and they're all here they're all the Usher Cup family and um, they do so many amazing things for our place it's it's awesome and, you know, we, we want the world to take this model. Like, you know, it's something that Rab and I talk about that, you know, we've all got kids and we, we watch how our kids grow up. And, you know, when they're occupied with the ocean, surfing, sports, community, like, that's how we want them to grow up. And, you know, there's other comments out there, like, village grows, you know, daughters and sons. You know, it's the community. And when we're all together like this and we show the kids as well about what that means to us as adults, about giving back, not forgetting where we come from, you know, protecting who we are as a community and what we love, 
you know, and, and protecting our beloved ocean and bringing all those fundamentals together really gives the kids a right, you know, grounding and pathway to, you know, explore whatever they want to do. You know, when they've got that influence around them, it's, you know, that's when magic happens. And, you know, for us, we want to extend that to the, around the globe. We want everyone, like every board riders club to pick up what's going down, like reach out to your areas. You've definitely going to have charities in your local area. Bring them into the club. Get the kids engaged in them. Get the kids going, you know, whether it's, you know, cleaning up the beach or helping, you know, the, maybe things that, you know, the community might have different needs than other, other towns. But being engaged in that and having the kids, like, giving back into that environment, that's what this is about. And then bringing us all together as a community. Yeah. Uh, you know, just, just, just to add to that, yeah, Theo, that's the spirit. Just to add to that, you know, a few years ago, Tommy Carroll and Lane Beachley and, and I got down, we got to go to Canberra. And uh, that was a tricky thing, you know. We ran into the Prime Minister in the hallway, you know. Did you headbutt him or what? Yeah, you know. So, anyway... We uh, address these uh, 41 federal ministers and, you know, surfing's always had a bit of a stigma about it, you know. And I said, well, ladies and gentlemen, senators, I said, in the real world, mothers drive their children to the surf. And, you know, inherently, mothers don't drive their children to evil things. <laughs> At least not in Coolangatta. Yeah. <laughs> That's over a tweet, no. <laughs> So the thing is, in the reality was that, you know, mothers drive their kids to surf because they know what an unbelievable thing it is for their whole well-being. And that's where surfing is at. And it's much more than a sport and uh, it's much more than a lifestyle. You know, it's, um, what is it? <laughs> you can tell me, you guys it's know. It's cosmic, man. It's cosmic. It's deeply cosmic. It's where you connect with energy. Yes. It is. I'm not joking. It's fucking mad. No, it is. No. Just one little thing, just um, so you know. Like, this event is evolving. You know, it started out with a, a local event and then it went sort of national. Um, the, the individual part was really to, when we began it, was to uh, put some cash in the pocket of young surfers who were going out on the, the regional qualifying series. So that, um, I mean, there was a story about a, one uh, young lady, she... She'd never won a prize in her life. Uh, she made it to the, the quarterfinals a couple of years ago and someone said, oh, yeah, I think you got a prize. And she went up, she got fourth in the quarterfinal and she went up and got given an envelope from Rebecca and it had $600 cash in it. And she was, just the expression on her face was so, such a stoker. That's why we've got prize money all the way down to 96 places in the men. Because I remember this one time down at Bells Beach and I was walking up in 1973, walking up the stairs, and Jack McCoy was standing at the top of the stairs, and he's handing out something. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I got up there, and he handed me a $5 note. And I went, yes, I'm a professional server. <laughs> but um, I just want to say, as this event evolves, water kind of is finding its own level, and the World Club challenge of it is rising up through the middle. And so this year, we've got the winner of the men's gets 1,200 points, the winner of the women's division gets 1,200 points, and the winner of the World Club, Champion, of the World Club Challenge gets 2,400 points. So it's really sort of taking on, you know, water fi is finding its level, guys. That's great, mate. Yeah, a wonderful uh, initiative, a wonderful event. Congratulations, all three of you guys. Thanks to Snapper for hosting every year. Rabbit, Theo, folks, and Jay... We're going to take a quick break. Uh, yeah. Rip into your food. Love you guys. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back with the Guinness World Record holder for the largest wave ever paddled by a woman. So stay tuned for that. As dinner is getting served, we're going to call up our very special guest. She is an icon, a former CT surfer, former world junior champ, has won at the elite level, but post-CT career, turned the dial on one of the greatest and most remarkable stewardess slabs you have ever copped in your life. Her film Undone is a full-blown masterpiece. If you've never copped it, please do. 
And uh, just recently, you may have heard, she got the world record for the largest wave ever paddled in the history of the planet by a woman. Put your hands together for Laura Ennevert, folks, from North Narrabeen. Here she comes. The Guinness World Record holder, Smivy. I mean... We're not worthy. We're not worthy. It's one thing, bro. It's one thing to hold the world record, but to be celebrated by Guinness. Oh, man. That dark, sludgy, hectic... Yeah, Lasla. Hello. The queen. The swelling Happy queen. Happy New Year. Come on over. Welcome back to the uh, Ain't That Swell stage, Laura. Shit, yeah. My favourite place to be on the Ain't Pull That Swell table. Pull up a pew. Jeez, you, I you just need... don't like how far apart we are, but we'll make it work. We'll make it work. Okay. Mate, you're looking good for someone who just got a lifetime supply of Guinness. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll probably have a big gut next year, but... <laughs> I spoke to your brother Chris, though, and he said your toilet is absolutely destroyed. <laughs> The, uh, the Guinness, it produces a stodgy stool, doesn't it? It Maud? does, it does, yeah. I, when I was uh, staying up in um, Bundoran on a surf trip, we drank so much Guinness, so I just had to chuck the toilet brush and get one of those plumbing snakes to just get right in there and bore it out. Uh, luckily, I think Theo's got a side hustle with plumbing snakes, so he'll drop one off to your joint. Yeah, I'll just get it. my own portaloo for the, the contest, yeah. Mate, I had to get a C-section after spending a week in Dublin. Fucking hell. They cut me right open. It's heavy. Anyway, enjoy your food, folks. Uh, enjoy yeah. your dinner. <laughs> Any, anyone want a Guinness with their dinner? Laura, we'll get you what all an advertisement a, a, for a toilet tomorrow. Look, let's, let's just start with this amazing accolade that you've just copped. Um, let's start with the award first and then work our way back to the session. Uh, when did you find out that you were in the running? Was it just people just turn up to your house with a keg and a... Uh, a bunch of little green hats. So, uh, how does it work? Tell us. Um, That's racial well, profiling. Is it? Yeah. No. We'll get cancelled for that. <laughs> That's alright, mate. We're yeah, in a safe it's, space. It's pretty. It was pretty uh, whack the way it all happened. But um, I, I caught the wave back in January, um, and it was the same swell that the eddy ran on, and so it was one of the, the biggest best swells that you know had Hawaii had copped in like five, I think they hadn't run the eddy for like five years or something, and. Um, I was second alternate for that contest and I was, they, they told me to come and like hang down on the beach in case someone got hurt, but I was like, do I sunk in my face? No. Oh. <laughs> I've just got an itchy beard, mate. <laughs> he no started go. going like this and I was like, I thought there was something on my face, but he's just touching his moustache. Um, but yeah, anyway, so it was the Eddie Swell and they, they asked me to come down to the beach because I was an alternate for the contest, but then... I was like, Shh, I don't like want to sit there and like wait and see if someone gets hurt. That's kind of shit. So I was like, I'm gonna go surf. Uh, there was like no one around that day at the outer reef, and uh, I just like, it was fucking huge. It was we couldn't see how big it was because there was so much sea mist. Uh, so we just rocked up, and me and my friend Flick Palmer here. She's another uh, big wave surfer from Oz. We just chucked on all of our gear and. Uh, got down the beach and then when we got down the beach there was like 10 boards washed up on the beach and these guys coming in going fuck girls you're gonna die if you go out there like do not go out there and we were like fuck we've just put on like five layers of like wetsuits and we've waxed that we've got our big tenos down here like we're gonna go out and, it's a and have a walk look. of shame when you gotta take off impact I'm like, we can't stuff, walk back to the car dry so we were like let's just go out um, what what is going out? Paddling off the beach or getting no, a ride? No, we, we got it. We got a ride out, thank God, because uh, yeah, it would have been pretty hard to get out that day. But um, yeah, anyway, got out there and it was just so so big. It was so scary. But uh, I just sort of found this sweet spot out there and spent like an hour and a half like trying to play cat and mouse with like these massive sets, and then caught. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> in that hour and a half, what are, you, what are you looking at? Like, what are you seeing? Who's out there? Who's getting waves? Like, just sort of describe the, the mood and, and what's going on in that lineup for the whole hour and a half before you feel like you're in the spot. Well, like, when I first got out there, I just saw, like, three guys go over the falls and, like, 30-footers, and they, like, just had to jump from the top to the bottom. And I was like, this is fucking impossible. Like, this is the stupidest wave I've ever seen. 
Um, it just seemed like, it seemed impossible, but then I saw this one set come through that broke further out and wider, and I was like, okay, if I'm going to catch a wave today, it's going to have to be a bigger wave, but from, like, wider, so it's not, like, a full-blown 30-foot slab. Uh, it's just got to be, like, sort of more doable. And so, anyway, I kind of just, like, paddled a bit further out and, and wider and found this little spot in the lineup where I felt like there was kind of no one around me. And Was there any familiar faces or people sort of giving you uh, some... Oh, yeah, come no, and sit with me or any nah, of that stuff? No, nah. well, the thing was, like, I would usually paddle out um, and take, you know, it's like a mentor or someone that I'd know to paddle out with, but because the Eddie was on that day, like, all of the best big wave guys were at Waimea, so it was just, like, local core lords out there that day, and I didn't really know many of them, and so I was just doing my own thing and just trying to, like, fucking not die or, like, get blown to pieces, and... Um, yeah, so I ended up just being like, okay, if I'm going to catch a wave, like, it's got to be, like, around that area. Sat there and, like, within 10 minutes, like, this set just came and uh, our mate Jojo was on the ski and he was like, when we whistle, like, it means there's, like, a closeout set coming through and just, like, paddle as hard as you can out and everyone started whistling in the lineup, and I just kind of, like, stuck to where I was sitting and this wave popped up and I was like, fuck, I'm in the spot, like, go. And I think that's, like... Yeah, there was like the one moment in my life where I was like, I've always had people call me into waves or, but that was like the one moment where I was like, oh my God, fucking go. Like, this is, this is it. And took off on the wave and it was just like so much bigger than I expected. Did, did your arms look like the roadrunner's legs when you were paddling for that thing? <laughs> just like these spiralling fucking windmills of just blurriness? Yeah, I just remembered like, just keep paddling until you know that you're on it because... I've, I've uh, made the mistake at Jaws before where I've thought I was on the wave and then you're not and then you have to jump over the falls and it just fucking sucks. But um, <laughs> anyway, I, I got the wave and I just like took off and looked down and was like, oh my God, this thing is like so, so much bigger than I expected. But um, just make it to the bottom and made it to the bottom and then got like the thing ran me down, exploded me and... Um, then the set, the next set behind was like one of those 30 foot closeout sets and it took out the whole entire lineup. And when I came up from my wave, I was facing the beach and I turned around and I saw Flick's board going over the falls on like this 30 footer with like 10 other guys. And when I got to the inside, there was like, there was like 20 people in there with me and it was just, it was mayhem. But, um, yeah, I called it a day after that. <laughs> That's an amazing story. That's wild. Amazing, like, uh, wave IQ, you know? You read on the ocean to know that there was ones that capped a little bit further out, but it was going to be a, a bigger wave, but a safer option, not one that just jacked and slabbed. Uh, and to kind of back your knowledge in conditions like that, that that's a credit to, to where you're at as a surfer and a, a water woman, uh, if you will. And I think the coolest thing was that I... Because all of the photographers and, and filmers were all at the, all, all at the eddy, I didn't think that anyone took a photo of it for, like, days and days until I got, like, an Instagram message from Daniel Russo and he was like, I took this photo of you the other day and I just spent, like, four days, like, everyone was like, how'd you go? I was like, oh, yeah, I got a pretty good one. Like, definitely, like, I think the biggest wave I've got. But then I saw the photo and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> I sent it to my dad and he was like, you are dumb. Like, that's so stupid. <laughs> He was, like, not even proud of me. He was like, that's... No, like, don't, don't do that. <laughs> you actually got the most buttery line into it. Like, you read it beautifully. You know, have to drop perfectly. Uh, I thought for a second you, you were going to just stay on that line and make it round. If I was, like, John John, he, I would have, like, been in the barrel, but I'm, like, not him. <laughs> so I was, like, getting exploded at the bottom. That was beautifully surfed, though. Oh, it was an amazing, amazing feat, really. Yeah, and um, it gets the ultimate accolade. Like, kind of walk us through that little journey of, of getting to this award. I, I didn't really answer your question before because you were like, how did it all come about? But it wasn't until I posted that photo and then, like, all of these, like, big wave surf crews started being like, that's a new world record. And I was like, what's, what's a world record? <laughs> I didn't even really know, like, what, what it was. But so then I worked out how to submit it and WSL were doing this, like, big wave record chase. And so, yeah, I broke the world record. It was... It was held for seven years by a girl from uh, Maui called Andrea Moller. And, yeah, so 
I got the news in in November, so kind of like just forgot about it. And then Kieran Perry called me up and was like, "Do you know what I'm calling for?" And I was like, "I don't know, shit." <laughs> Am I getting uh, cancelled? But he was like, "Yeah, he was. He did that thing where he was like, well." Justine didn't break the record on her toe wave uh, and so just calling to tell you that um, you did break it on yours and I was like, fuck. No way, man. That's so sick. What a feeling for, for you know, uh, obviously you grew up in such a, a hectic competitive lineup, uh, very supportive but also, you know, brutal uh, in terms of, of what it's done. Like, did... What wave were you actually surfing that led you to this, this wave at Narrabeen? Was it like uh, car park rights or just the left or I, well, the, the I, slab off the pool? I feel like when I was growing up, I don't know like what is going on with our storm systems these days, but I just remember there being like big, massive east swells all the time in the northern beaches and Narrabeen would just get like 10 to 12 foot and be pumping like at least a few times per winter. And now it's just we get all these south swells and it's a closeout, which sucks. But, um, yeah, like, when I was growing up, like, the first time I actually got out in big waves was, like, when I was surfing, yeah, these big swells at Northie. And, like, I remember, like, Hedgie and, and uh, all the Northie crew just, like, it's a really hard paddle out. And sometimes you'd have to paddle for, like, an hour to get out. And, like, Hedgie would just be, like, egging me on, just, like, keep trying, Laura, like, run around, run around. Eventually you'd get out. And, and if you got out, the boys would give you a wave that day because they're, like, you fucking just paddled for, like, an hour to get out here. <laughs> So we'll let you go away, and uh, yeah, I, I feel really privileged to have grown up at Northie because it's obviously, you know, the story's coming out of Narrabeen. It's a, you know, historically a, uh, a pretty tough place to grow up, but the, the club is a very different club these days, and it's, it's so supportive. I grew up surfing against the boys in the boys' division, and we have a massive girls' division. We've got True Jess Starling and, and Ruby True over there who are... Um, next gen of Northy Border Riders and uh, yeah we've just it's a really really beautiful place now and talk us through your journey like obviously Undone is just this wall to wall slab fest uh, mostly you know getting whipped into them uh, how did that hold you like did that hold you in good stead as you, you moved into the, the paddle game like did you feel that that, that, that experience kind of fed into your, your, your big wave exploits paddling and did you feel pressure to paddle after doing all that toe surfing yeah, I mean, I started going to, you know, ship sterns and, and all these sort of slab waves around Oz and I was, I was towing into all of them and, and it gave me, like, a lot of confidence just to know the feeling of being on those waves and what lines to take. Uh, like, the first time I went and served shippies, I took the complete wrong line and there's this, like, outrageous photo of me doing a cartwheel backwards over on like a 12 footer at shippies and and that, and that was just, your, your first time ever <laughs> that towing was, in that, that was session? my first time towing and i just Fuck, like that it is was, wild yeah it's like a it's a horrific photo but um the next wave i got the line right and i made like i made it to the end of the wave but that that sort of tow towing gave me the confidence i think and then after that i just wanted to paddle and i just want to paddle now yeah and how long and painstaking was the journey to get to that point with, with the Guinness uh, world record. Like, I mean, you had that mishap at Jaws, like full send, full credit to you. You fucking sent it, uh, but you got completely buckled. Uh, you did your knee or something and it ended up kind of crueling your, your world tour career. Is that right? More or less? Totally, yeah. I was on the tour for seven years. I worked my whole life to be on the tour and then I got invited to the Jaws contest and um, I blew my knee apart in the first wave and I was out of the water for like six months and my parents were like, okay, cool, surely this big wave phase is over. Like, it was like when you dyed your hair a lot and it was really, really crazy, but like, you're going to go back to the tour now and I was like, nah, like I'm just, I left competitive surfing after that and my whole, my whole team and sponsors and everything were kind of like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you have worked your whole life to be on tour and now you're just going to like give it up to be a, to spend all your money chasing waves and going to rehab for injuries <laughs> um that <laughs> makes absolutely no sense but um yeah i think you you just get you get like pretty addicted to it, the feeling and um it just became a priority for me and i was like that's what i want to do <laughs> can you i think about this a lot especially uh after that jaws take off to plummeting over the falls wave that you got um 
just craziness. Can you stand up and just show us what happens to your body under a 35-foot wave or a 40-foot wave? Just, just over there, just sort of give us a bit of a rundown about how it looks. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. I, I just can't imagine what actually happens under basically, there. You, know, like, you can like just like run a, and do like a swan dive into that guy's spare ribs yeah, there. Yeah, it would basically... I could just like dive onto these tables and mosh, mosh can crowd you, surf. But, um, like yeah, describe you, it because, you know, like when you think you of big wave surfing... You get absolutely buckled. Like you have bruises coming up on your body for like two weeks after. Like someone would be like, what happened there? And I'm like, oh, it's just still coming up from that wipeout I had two weeks ago. Um, but yeah, you definitely put your body through it. I don't know how... Yeah, how, I, you have so much adrenaline going through your body. I think that it just, it's like, yeah, you just don't know. Well, we were talking to um, Ant Patterson, right? Uh, a guy who's not scared, has, has come third in the eddy twice and uh, is well-versed in getting punished by big slabs like the right, uh, like yours, like Waimea. And his whole technique is just, he goes, just go limp. Go as limp as you can. Don't fight it. Don't panic. Don't think. Don't do nothing. Just basically enter this zen state with all of this turbulence and craziness around him. What's, what's your go-to method of surviving these insane hold-downs and this just, you know, basically intense what, like explosion of I power think, that's happening around you? Uh, I had some amazing training from uh, Sean, Sean Woolley. He's a lifeguard back at home and uh, he did big wave surfing as well. Shout out um, to Sean Woolno too because he's paddled one of the, yeah, the biggest lefts I've ever seen to an outside corner. It was, it was like an iconic photo when I was a Grom. Sean uh, is an absolute beast and he, he was the first guy to do breath hold training with me and just told me that when you, as soon as you fall in one of those situations, you just have to flick a switch and go to a place, like you said, where you just... It's like going static. Like, you just have to use as least energy as possible. Like, I just... You just try to protect your head, really, but... Um, and then just stay as calm as possible and just do whatever you need to do to switch off until you pop up. Yeah. But, sorry, you go. Sorry, I was just... I've got to press you on this, because if I get pumped and I feel like I'm being held down, I go into a panic state. I know you're training it, but what's your, what's your thought process? Like, are you actually going to a place where you're just counting out seconds or...? I, um, I actually uh, sing, like, I, I rap. Oh, what are you singing? Biggie Smalls. <laughs> Give us a song. Give us a few lines of what you're doing underwater with these 30-footers. You just have to, like... You know that you have to get to 30 seconds of the chorus and so you just go, it was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. Sold on Pepper and Heavy D up in the limousine. Hanging pictures <laughs> And See, you, just, you just do it until you come up. <laughs> so good. I, the song I sing is Hits from the Bong. Uh, that's, oh, and sometimes I that's sing why that I usually song can't last like... longer than seven seconds underwater. I just start thinking about all the cones I've ripped and start freaking out. You can't think about partying when you're under there and all the things you've done partying because you'll want to die. But uh, actually, I know Ross Clark Jones just like pretends he's in like a club. That's right. It's that, very fitting for him. That's his favourite thing, is thinking he's in some heaving German, like, industrial techno, no lights, just having a, a ripper, and he seems to get through it fine. Um, I know you're not scared of the ocean. Are you scared of the ocean? You, you just don't seem to have any fear of that. I'm, I'm scared of the RTA um, and, like, going to yoga studios. <laughs> like, group yoga studios is so scary to me. <laughs> Um, and like the bank, it's like fucked. <laughs> Yoke phobic. Like anything that phobia. is like you have to be like a real life adult, I hate. I'm like, I just cry. <laughs> Nothing worse than anyone slip out <laughs> in a yoga class is there for That's my phobia. That really is. Especially if you're drinking. Like my worst nightmare. Six litres of Guinness before you go in there. <laughs> <laughs> It's not just slipping out, it's sludging out. Oh, bro. Uh, yeah. How's the food? But yeah, I, I'm actually really scared of sharks Dessert too. Ready? But Chocolate mousse, anyone? We don't, we, don't, we don't say the S word up here. Mate, Mate I'm interested to know, like, as well, you know, what have you learned about yourself on this journey uh, about the ocean? Because, like, in this game that you're in, you know, you, you see people get into it sometimes for the wrong reasons, uh, and those people 
almost always get hurt really badly. It can end careers. We've seen that happen many times. Um, you know, what have you learned over the, over the course of this journey? Because at the end of the day, it has to come from within, doesn't it? It has to be a, a pure motivation. Yeah, 100%. Like, when I left the tour, I had this, like, sort of six months to a year where, like, everyone of my peers was doing the, the CT and I was just sitting at home watching them going, like, oh, my God, I'm not making any money um, doing these comps and I'm just sitting here waiting to, like, go, like, eat shit at a slab. But it's going to work out. <laughs> um, and in that time, I, I did feel like for a while that I wanted to prove something and make it known to my sponsors and team that I'd made the right choice because, like, my dad was just like, I don't think you're making the right choice. <laughs> but um, I was so stubborn that I was like, I can't go back on this decision. And then I got to the point where I was like, you actually can't do this for anyone else but yourself. Like, you can't be out in those waves where you could get gnarly injuries, you could die, and be thinking about anyone else but you. And uh, so I got to the point where, yeah, it became more empowering for me to be able to go to a wave and say, no, nope, not today not feeling it uh, and then sometimes be like it feels right let's go um, but yeah my thing my thing with big wave surfing is always like just go to the spot and if you get there and you're sitting in the lineup you don't have to go like you don't have to paddle out you don't have to catch a wave like the day that I caught my, my world record wave I looked at flick and I was like we don't have to catch a wave today we could just like paddle in and do the cockroach and go roll up the beach and say we did yeah. <laughs> But uh, I ended up going. So that's, that's for me, it's like take the expectation off and just enjoy it. Yeah, I love that. Because it, it is true. Like at that level, uh, you know, if you're doing it for the wrong reasons, if you're trying to prove something to someone else or to a photographer, then they're not pure motivations and your mind's not right. And if, if everything's not in perfect alignment in conditions like that, like you're going to make poor decisions and those poor decisions are going to cost you your life, your career, uh, I've got two mobility. dogs now. You've got two dogs? You've yeah. got responsibilities, dude. Who's going to feed them? Chris. Chicken. No chance. Hey, um, I think the ultimate sort of uh, reward for that purity in the way that you're doing it is getting an invite to the Eddie. Congratulations. Laura is invited to the Eddie officially. Like, it's a life goal for so many surfers to just get that invite. Uh, Smivy and I were talking to Jack Robinson the other day and he was, he was holding just that invite uh, alongside his best competition wins and some of the, his greatest achievements. What, what was it like for you? You know, that's one thing to get uh, an Irish beer company to, to give you the tick, but it's another thing to have an invite to such a prestigious and powerful event. Yeah, I think, um, like, the catalyst is getting invited to the Eddie. It's such a prestigious, uh, prestigious and historic event. And, um, yeah, I definitely, at the opening ceremony this year, still had imposter syndrome. I was like, what the fuck am I doing here? But I just, I'm so pumped and I can't wait. I hope it runs this year. It's, it's so weird. It was meant to be, like, El Nino. This whole season's been talked up. But apparently Hawaii's got the whole rainy, stormy thing going as well as Australia at the moment. And, yeah, hopefully it changes soon. And what do your goals look like from here? Like, uh, you've done so much incredible stuff in this big wave realm. Like, you, you have literally busted down the door in your way, uh, the same way that Rabbit did in his time. And you're doing that in a way that, you know, women's surfing just hasn't really seen. First with the slabs, now with the, uh, the paddle. Where do you see it going? Like, what, what would you ultimately love to get out of this, you know, over the next few years? Um, I think I just, I'd love to be able to do it as long as possible and just be able to enjoy, enjoy it and do it in my way. Like you said, it's like people would look at me and think that like I'm, I don't look like I'd be a big wave surfer. Like I would turn up to some waves and like I'd organise with some of the guys in WA to like take me out to the right and they saw me and they just started laughing. They're like, are you serious? You're so small. Like you're going to die. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm fine. Like Trust me, I'll sign a waiver. Like, I want to do this. Like, if I die, it's not your fault <laughs> if you tow me in. But, um, yeah, I think for me, it's like I want to be able to do this long term and, and do it and enjoy it. And uh, I'd love to make a wave at Jaws, make a, get a good wave at Jaws and get over to Mavericks and, um, yeah, other ways, maybe Nazare. Um, I don't know, it looks a bit cold there, but maybe just stick to the warm places. <laughs> And, mate, uh, have you thought about this? Just next time you're out at these outer reefs and you get a big left, just throwing a big larry in homage to Simon Anderson. Just get that 
get that like little bit of North Narra in there as well? Yeah, for sure. I'll just I'll make sure I'm I'll, I'll get the quad out and I'll just chuck three fins in. <laughs> Laura Enver, folks, what an absolute legend! <laughs> Holy smokes! Can't wait to see what you do. Hey, Bugs, um, just would love to get your take on Laura and, and what she's done over the past few years. You know, first of all, being a, a Northern Beaches surfer, a place where you've got a lot of connections and have a lot of mates from a golden era in North Narrabeen surfing, you've, you've seen what the uh, club's done over all these years. To see uh, what Laura's done, I mean, in its own right, it's crazy, but for women surfing, it's, it's on another planet as well. <coughs> yeah, like, women surfing is incredible, and what Laura's done, and Felicity Palmateer you know, like really chasing those uh, mega slabs and, um, you know, outside Himalayas is uh, not for the faint-hearted, you know, so, you know, kudos to what women's surfing is doing. It's incredible, you know. Cortez Bank and Jaws and, man, Toto Santos, Mavericks, all, all, the, all the spot, all your favourites. Yeah, so we're going to do the draw now for the, uh, the World Club Challenge. Oh, the most exciting part of the night. So... Yeah, we, we're going to bring up the Commissioner, Darren Brillard. The Commissioner of US Board Riders? Yeah. The, Is it the US Board Riders? Yeah. Yeah, just because, you know, we know when it comes to drawing things out of a hat, we can't trust Australians, you know? Like, we always get in there and have a bit of a, you know, a bit of a tweak. Oh, Bugs, I love you. Hey, Brillo. Hey, mate. Just give us a, a quick insight before the boys get into it. What's it like to, to be a part of this Asha Cup and to have uh, the American teams in particular coming over? Well, first off, I just want to thank the Asha Cup family for inviting all the international clubs. I mean, seriously, the experience to come here and be a part of this is truly amazing. So thank you to Theo and Bugs and everybody who's a part of it. Yeah. And, mate... For the, for the Australian clubs, you know, we're, we're spoiled. We've, we've had this culture around for so long. But, you know, what is the history of, of uh, board riders clubs in America? And, and does it have a rich sort of tapestry of characters and history and classic moments like we have? Well, we're starting to. We're only yeah. about six years in. You guys have been 60 years yep. of doing this. So, I mean, it, it's just truly amazing. We started off in 2016 with two clubs. Now we're over 50 clubs in the U.S., and it's growing. So it's just truly amazing to see that. Yeah. And is there some sort of Australian cultural attaché who's going to come over and show you how many quarters you can shove in your foreskin or how far you can spit the winkle or any of these fantastic sort of traditions that we have in our Border Riders clubs? Yeah, no, it's, a, it's important to have that, right? Yeah. yeah. No, but, I mean... It's, it's all for fun. I mean, we enjoy it, you know, and we have our, our championships at Lower Trussells the last couple of years, and, you know, it's pretty nice to be able to compete at Lowers for the finals. Mate, it's so great to have you guys here. As uh, Rabs has said, you know, many times, it, it's the pathway for uh, a lot of surfers, and now that it's really grab and hold in America, I just can't wait to see, you know, the champions that come through your system. Congratulations, mate. Uh, thank you very much. It's an honour to be here. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. This concludes the event tonight. Hope you guys had heaps of fun. I know I did. But we've got to go back and get some sleep because the event's on tomorrow. So thank you all for coming. And good luck, everyone. And bring on a sick Asha Cup 2024. Woo!